And we welcome you inside another edition of the Hoopball Sacramento Kings podcast. Sam Comanti here with you alongside, as always, the incomparable, the all-knowing Jill Adge. And joining us as well on this Friday from Los Angeles. He's meeting us uh, over stream, over Zoom. A good friend of mine. We uh, went to Sac State together. We endured some very painful, boring, just get me out of there communication classes together. And then quite frankly, frequently, we talked about the Sacramento Kings together, which is of no surprise, considering his dad is a member of the NBA Hall of Fame, whose jersey hangs from the rafters of Golden One Center. And then, of course, most recently was the general manager of our Sacramento Kings. So all that to say that I cannot think of someone who knows more about the Sacramento Kings, even Jill, that's not a slight of Jill, but I can't think of someone that knows more about the Sacramento Kings than our awesome guest today. Matia Divots. Matia, how are you, dude? Thank you. Thank you so much for taking oh, the time to join us. Thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm a little bit jealous of not being announced as all-knowing like Jill, but <laughs> we'll move on. I'm sure your knowledge surpasses mine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did technically just say that in a different way. I, I guess said you're that right. You're right. You're right. I paraphrased it That's differently. True. That's true. All right. Starting out right away, which is it'll be a little petty, I see. Yeah, uh, terrific. <laughs> how's uh first things first you know we don't we'll, we're obviously going to talk some kings but how's you guys are now in la you're with um your uh, your parents and then your sister lives in la right she would already she was already living in la yeah she was uh she lives with me and my brother right now uh, cool she's commuting to orange county uh she's got like another semester left uh in chapman okay for uh, her sorry I said good for her. Oh, yeah, good for her. Yeah, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then my parents are in Serbia while their house is being renovated here because they figure there's no point in being in LA when they can be over there. Oh, cool. So you got the, the, the children are all in one house together. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. And how's your, how's your brother? <laughs> he's fine. He's actually in Serbia right now. And when he comes back, he's only going to be here for like two days and then goes to Cincinnati. Uh, he's working on a movie project. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, and uh, you just returned from Serbia yourself. You spent, I feel, um, well, I mean, I was envious from the very beginning. But then when I was reaching out to you over the summer while you were there, you had made the point that you had technically invited me to join you. I did multiple, <laughs> multiple times. Multiple times. Multiple. Going back like a year. Yeah. Like, so. I'm an idiot. No, I'm a fucking idiot. Next time we're <laughs> going to a wedding to, in Serbia. I'm going to a wedding in Serbia next year. And I hope you can join me. But that's, yeah, that's a discussion cool. for another time. I did have this person, Jill, a family friend of mine or a buddy of mine, not even family friend, uh, who's Serbian. He's getting married. And he invited me to the wedding. It was very nice of him. And then I told him, I was like, do you know I know the Divots? Like, I know Vla uh, Vlade's son. And he was like, you know Vlade Divots' son? And I was like, I do. I was like, we went to school together. And he goes, if you can take him to the wedding, I wouldn't be upset about it. And I was like, are you telling me I can bring him along? And he goes, you kidding me? Like, I, I could brag to all my friends that I had a Divots at the wedding? Like, yes, you can bring him. So if that offer still stands, I'm definitely... I'm definitely going to try and take it, take them up on that. That'd be fun. Um, but anyway, we're here to talk Kings. That's the main goal. Yeah. So the Kings lost, uh, or excuse me, they did not lose. They won their last game. That's uh, how you, you think he is. <laughs> they lose. That the Kings we'll lost. have plenty of time to say that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I've just yet. said it. I've said it so much, man, in my life. The Kings won their last game against the, the Pelicans, 112 to 99. It was too close of a game for a while, but in the fourth, the Kings really, really quickly pulled away. Uh, the Pelicans just disappear. They flew away. They stopped being able to hit the three ball. Yeah. Also, also that. Um, we're going to touch on that game in a minute. But what I really wanted to do to start out, Matias, is ask you how you feel about the current state of the Sacramento Kings. They're 4-4 four and four now. They play tonight against Charlotte at home. Uh, I know you've been starting to pick up on some games since you've been back. What do you think of the team so far? I think they're playing. I think they're playing how they should play, first of all. They're playing really well which is what I think they can and have been able to do for the longest time. Like De'Aaron's insane. Harrison Barnes can play consistently well. He wants to. Rashawn Holmes, I think, is one underrated center. Um, I think Buddy, I think when he shoots the ball and plays how he should play, I think he's, you know, one of the best shooters out there. So when they do, when they put all that together, I think they're a, a solid team. It's later on the season. Can we see, you know, them keep this up? That's the big question. Um, 
I think Marvin Bagley, it's a shame he's not playing. Because I think no matter what you're going to do with him, if you're going to trade him or not, you got to give him some value, let him develop. You know what I mean? He's so young. Like, that's just a ridiculous thing to me. Like, yeah. for any player. You know, there's been times where, like, garbage minutes even, he should be in and he's not. So, I don't know what's up with that. But <laughs> Right. So like, gonna... okay, you said you mentioned you didn't see the last game. And the starters are, like, literally the main rotation. Even though they had pulled away at the end and the Pelicans had put in, you know, the end of their bench, like Fox and them were still dribbling and Mitchell was dribbling the clock out as as time expires. Like there was no reason um, for those guys to still be on the second night of the back to back when you finally pulled away. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I don't know. They look good. I'm excited. It's very I'm very cautious when it comes to the Kings. Yes. Uh, especially because we, I think we've all seen this. Beginning of the season, they come out the gate strong. They're insanely good. And then they just start losing games that they should. Winning games that they shouldn't, but losing games that they should. <laughs> yeah. And then we're in trouble. Like, we'll beat the Lakers, you know, away, but we'll lose against, you know, Detroit at home. Like, it's <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. No, it's so, true. Cautiously optimistic again this season. Um, I've heard you say that a time or two, though. Yeah, no, very much so. Uh, I remember when Walton's first year, Mattia, we were we had a class together with the Captain Doctor. What was his name? Captain Bob. It was a professor who insisted that we call him Captain Bob. His name was not Bob, um, but nor was he a captain. Nor was he. Well, we don't know that for sure. (laughs) He could have been a captain of something we weren't aware. Um, But no, he. uh, We had a class in that class, and uh, I had asked you when they were off to that just fucking horrendous start under Walton. I told you, I was like, and I don't, I didn't like to really pry on things like that, but I was, I, I think I blatantly asked you, I was like, what's, I mean, what are we doing here, man? Like how much patience were we giving Walton? Like how much, how much leash is your dad going to give him? And you told me, you're like, Walton's a very much a good coach. He had a, he has a hall of fame father. He grew up in a basketball family. You're like, he knows basketball, but he needs time because he's got to connect with these guys. Cause that's how he works. Luke Walton is he's a player's first coach. And I do give you credit. I mean, I, I should have never questioned you on that anyway, but that is how he operates. And these players, to the to Walton's credit, they like him quite a bit, and he yeah. keeps the things keeps things afloat even when shit hit the fan last year and they lost nine in a row and the nine in a row and again. So, how do you feel about Luke Walton? I guess is a good segue into that. Uh, I like Luke Walton. I think he's gotten a lot of shit. Uh, uh, you know, some might be deserved. I think a lot of it's undeserved because a lot. Of th- I think a lot of people are impatient when, you, especially when you're a young coach, you get put into a position with young players uh, on a team that's been unsuccessful in the past. I think that's really, really hard for someone to just come out of the gate and start winning games. So I think when he started losing, people were, first of all, people were already upset that they got Luke Walton right off the bat. You know, so they were already against him no matter what so when he lost games people were against him not giving him a chance and then on top of that i think a lot of it is uh i don't want to go after players specifically but i think you know a lot of them wouldn't follow the game plan we saw a lot of players uh i guess buddy specifically would do things that he's just not capable of no like defense it's it's really hard for someone to be able to have everything in their toolbox. You know, that it's, they're all-stars then, you know, Buddy isn't one of them. He's an all-star shooter for sure. You know what I mean? Um, you don't see Clay Thompson and I'm not comparing like obviously Buddy with Clay Thompson, but like he's really, he's a really good shot, but Clay Thompson's not dribbling the ball, you know, from. He doesn't try to be forward. Steph. <laughs> exactly. You know, he's not taking control. You'll see Buddy consistently take the ball up before Gear and Fox, or at least in the past couple of seasons. I haven't seen him do it this season, so hope you know that's good. But and that bothers me. I think he might have done it last game, but yeah. yeah. But it it was like once. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then like he gets turnovers and then those are the reasons you lose games. And then because of that you're gonna blame the coach. You know what I mean? Um, Yeah. I think that was a tough spot for Luke. Um, but I think it looks like they've kind of got their shit figured out now. So uh, how well do you know Doug Christie? Uh, pretty well. I'm pretty well, yeah. Did, what did you think when you found out that Doug was joining the coaching staff? I mean, I'm excited. I love Doug. I love, yeah, he's, right? Uh, first of all, 
I loved him on radio. I think he's so, I love listening to him. I, and he's just such a happy guy. And he's got like good energy. And I think players like him too. People like him. And I think that's also a really important part of coaching job. So you can be a good coach, shit person, and players just aren't going to listen to you. You know, so I think that, I think he's going to be really good about, uh, really good at it. Yeah. I, and he uh, seems to, like you mentioned, he has that like people connection where he knows individually how to connect with someone. And for some players, um, even a guy like Bagley, right? Like if he ever does get time, like that can make all the difference for yep. for some guys is just having that one person that can can click it for him uh, yeah. and make it work. No, you're absolutely right. It's funny how like, um, you know, for any, anyone that's played uh, sports or uh confidence you know i mean just to have someone believe in you that type of confidence can trigger you because like marvin bagley again people are saying he's a wash he sucks in college he was insane there's no way that that talent disappeared overnight you know what's most likely the culprit is mentality you know i mean you get especially when you're that level and you see luka Doncic, you see trey young you see all these people that came after you in the draft be almost all-stars right off the gate and you're not there, that's going to start messing with you mentally and either, you know, makes or breaks you. Um, so yeah, we sucks about Marvin. We've, we've talked about this before on our, on our pod, me and Jill about first with Walton that, um, you know, he gets too much of the gripe for shit that really isn't his fault. Like if the players decide on their own accord that they're going to, you know, throw up a three from half court or make a terrible outlet pass that they, there's no way any coach would tell them to try and make. And then you blame Walton. It's like, okay, now you're just, now you just really have this vendetta against Luke Walton because that's not his fault. He can't play for the players. He's, he's, he's a coach. And then with Bagley, I, I feel like I might have been a little bit more in defense of Bagley than Jill since we've done, but Jill hasn't said anything poor about Bagley. I've just made the point that I wish Bagley would get the court a little bit more because even if for, for nothing else, Matias, for like what you said, how are you going to trade him if he's never on the court and has any value? Exactly. How, how are teams going to know what they're taking like a little bit of a risk on? If he's not playing at least 10 minutes, the guy can score at the very flipping minimum. He can score. That yeah. that talent's always been there. It's the defense that's hurt him and the mentality, and you're so spot on. No one wants to acknowledge that, that he's 22, that he's gone through hell and back, it seems, since he arrived in Sacramento. The coach originally when he was there didn't seem to not necessarily like him, and you could probably speak more on this, but wasn't uh, you know necessarily going to start him right away. It didn't start him right away. He was insistent that he wasn't going to start Bagley. He was going to start Bielitsa. He's going to play the best guy. So, I mean, right out of the gate. He's going to make him earn it. He's going to make him earn it. Yeah, there you go. There you go, which is an old school philosophy. Uh, Well, kind of now. And uh, one could argue that from the the jump in Sacramento, at least with the coaching staff, he was behind the eight ball, Marvin Bagley, because it didn't – not that they didn't believe in him, but they didn't really necessarily show it. Or Jaeger wasn't very good at showing it. Yeah. Um, And, like, again – on the flip side, it's up to the athlete then to rise above that and prove them wrong. Um, you know, Przingis did it in the Knicks, I think, right? When he got uh, drafted, everyone was upset. And then he came out of the game. They were like, oh, he's a unicorn now. Uh, <laughs> same thing with Doncic. I don't think people were too, too happy in Dallas up until he started playing. And they're like, oh, my God, he's amazing. So it happens all the time. You just got to play to that level. But it's a shame to see. Uh, you know, again, we forget that they're like, these are like teenagers now. Like these right. kids are so young coming into the league. Like they're kids. <laughs> so like, you know, this is brand new. Imagine like, you know, you're a teenager and you're waking up to Twitter. Everyone says you suck. And then, you know, yeah. I'm trying to be a little defense. I want to give him a little bit of slack, you know, because again, sure. he his athleticism, that's just something you can't teach. So the fact that we're not playing him to me shows we just don't want to invest our time in him because you can teach him. He's good, right? He can't go right. So you got to teach him to go right. He can't do something. You got to teach him to do that. That's investing time. They don't want to invest time in him. You know, that's my opinion at least. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame. I will, I will say I, um, James Ham just did a podcast with Luke Walton and put it out yesterday. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to it, Sam, but he was saying how um, he was very clear that all of the the roster and the playing time and everything, it's like he listens to advice from, you know, Monty and that group. But he said it's very much his decision on who's in the rotation right now, who's not. And 
similar to it seemed like he was saying a lot of the same kind of things that Jaeger was saying like towards the end where it's you know what I mean like we're trying we're what in year three now like we're we trying to build something now at some point guys have to catch up like it's it's a shitty situation it's you know what I mean like he's had injuries that that have kept him off uh, kept him off the court and kind of limited his development um but Luke was very much like I'm putting I'm not worried about guys um you know like the front office would be more worried about having uh value and that kind of stuff he's like I'm doing whatever I have to do to win like yeah these guys have been putting in the work over the summer like they were talking about how they had the first uh summer um the last one with Rico because of the pandemic and everything else they had shortened seasons they couldn't really work out in groups and gyms and things like that previously so he said that he felt like this last year was the first time a lot of them really actually got to spend that extra time together with each other. Um, and it was basically like, do what you have to do and you'll play. And if not, like that sucks, it, it kind of is what it is right now. Yeah. And Bagley, um, you know, and yeah, Bagley didn't do what he wanted needed to do, which was play some defense. So now I'm going to ask you a question, Matia, that is, one that you don't have to answer. Um, but I have asked you this in the past and you have given me answers to it. Uh, sometimes indirect, sometimes you've been a little bit more. I mean, I think it might've been the first question I ever asked you when we started talking about the Kings. What was your dad's main reason for drafting Marvin Bagley? Not necessarily Bagley over Doncic or Bagley, but what was, what about Marvin Bagley made your dad think, yeah, that's the guy at number two. Can you uh, answer that? Well, from my understanding, of course, it uh, it was just the choice. Uh, it was just who he genuinely felt like was the best choice for the team at the time. Yeah. Um. I mean, uh, like, so here's the thing with that draft too. No, everyone wants to like give grief about oh you didn't pick. Uh, Trey Young or Donch and all that. Nobody picked Trey Young or Donch. Trey Young fell in the draft, right? He was predicted. Uh, what was he predicted? Like fourth or something like that. And then he right, and then he dropped. Well, he down. got he got three, and then he flipped with Dallas. So Donchich and Trey Young were traded for each other. Yeah, and Donchich. So Donchich technically yeah. went to five. Yeah, but no one suspected Donchich to be this good or Trey Young. Like you know, this I mean, early at least. Five. It's very easy to go, well, you should have picked, like, you know, this or that. But, like, that's probably all I can say. Okay, uh, that's fine. From that. And it's just that my dad, he picked it from knowing that, or not knowing, uh, feeling that that was the best choice. Um, you know, best player available. So not well, taking the ball out of Fox's hands, though. That played, did that or did that? Because that was the most common thing people heard in Sacramento was the mindset. Like, we don't want to take the ball out of De'Aaron's hands. He's the guy. I don't know. I can't speak for a fact, but I'd say like I'm certain that after, when these drafts go on, everything goes into account. You know what I mean? Sure. It's like, sure, we can maybe take it out of his ball of hands more, but like, you know, will that help the team? If it helps the team, ultimately, I feel like they draft him. You know what I mean? Sure. I think it all depends. It wasn't. It wasn't one factor. You know, what I mean, okay. it was a combination of things, and I think that at the time, uh, they felt uh, that. Uh, picking Bagley was the right person. Yeah, and they've they had a giant. Thank you for answering that. You didn't have to. I mean, I I, I acted well, like that was hard pressing. To know without than, injuries, like yeah, no, I so mean, true. Could it have worked out? It's that's yeah. kind of the the shitty situation is that we don't have the crystal ball that would have showed Obviously. us the opposite. Um, well, people forget that. Uh, of course, the Kings had a need at the four, at, at, or just bigs in general at the time of that draft. They had Harry Giles, but we didn't know what Giles was then. Um, and there was a definite need for someone like Marvin. More so, though, Marvin was playing his one-year collegiate basketball at Duke at the age of a, sen- a high school senior. He had foregone, foregone? Yeah, that's the right word. <laughs> his senior year in high school to go to college. And I then think proceeded- a lot of people forget that. Yeah, So many people forget that. He was 18. He, and he dominated at Duke, which is a powerhouse college basketball school. And he was, I think, averaged 21 and 11 a game. His field goal percentage was very high. He was obviously an athletic freak. Everything about him, people were, the comparison I often heard um, 
when they took Bagley and I started watching more about Bagley and reading more about him is he was a blend of Chris Bosch, I think mostly because of the left hand, and then Amari Stonemeyer. That's what people were calling him. Two Hall of Fame NBA players is what they were comparing Marvin Bagley to. So people do forget, Jill, Marvin Bagley was the shit in college at a very young age and then just got screwed with all of the injuries and then, you know, coaching change and all that stuff. But uh, there's still time. I was about to ask you. And like most players, well, and I wouldn't say he's washed because the kid can show, like has shown that he can play. And, And that's kind of my thing where, unfortunately with the Kings right now, like they were so bad last year on defense that you're seeing them put the emphasis on defense. They've never had an offensive problem. So like throwing him out there, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's never been an issue. So I have no doubt that if he was to be traded somewhere and put into a good roster, that he would be perfect, like that he would be fine. It's just, we've had so many glaring holes in certain areas. And unfortunately he's young and he hasn't had the development time on the court to try and improve on those areas um, that it's, you know, I don't blame Luke necessarily for making the decisions he's making at the moment. Because at least knock on wood, right now they're working. Now, down the road, if they're not working, he's going to have to make adjustments. Um, yeah. But at this point, I don't think you can say, like, it's not what he's doing isn't working. 100%. No, I agree with you 100%. As long as they're winning, that's the ultimate goal, right? Right. Um, you know, we can think all we want about Marvin Bagley, but if he can't keep up, or, you know, fall in line with what the team needs, then it's kind of a moot point. Yeah, and Walton um, has said quite a bit that it's all about winning. Like, that's what you just said, Matias. Like, I'm just trying to win. And, that I mean, that's what every coach should say. I guess that's really coaches speak. We're just trying to win games. And as it, it should be that. You know, sometimes the egos get involved, and that's been a problem in the past with Marvin and Buddy. And that was the next person I was going to ask you about, Matias. You think Buddy's role, you said something along the lines in the beginning of this. <laughs> Buddy's best role is off the bench, huh? I think 100%. And, but like, I also think, uh, again, I'm speaking about, you know, I think what this guy thinks. I don't know for sure. I think he takes it as a slight to come off the bench when, I, in my eyes, the things that he can do coming off the bench makes him almost more valuable than the starting five. Because it's the bench players that really keep you in the game. The, the starting five wins you the games, the bench players keep you in the game. Right. So if you can be up 20. If the bench players go in, you start losing, you're screwed. So you need a strong bench or at least someone on the bench, which I think is Buddy, who can play. And Buddy can shoot the ball like no other. But the problem is he wants to do more than that, which I don't understand is because we don't need more than that. Like, that's plenty. <laughs> we're good. You know, you can shoot, like, make four or five threes a game. We're good. You've done your job. Yeah. And he just wants to do more than that. And it sucks. It's almost admirable in a way that he wants to do more, but you're right. It's like it's like, dude, you're you're doing good. Like we're happy, we're chill, we're all good here. Yeah. Um, and the contract might come into that. I've, I've said that with Jill. Like I think the way he's his, his big contract, I think got in his mind that like I'm gonna be playing 40 minutes a game starting. Obviously that changed. Um, and before the COVID shutdown, he the Kings were obviously killing it dude you know and we we went to a game um when they played the grizzlies and it was a i think it was like the second third game before uh the shutdown happened but they were on a roll and a big part of that was luke walton taking buddy out of the starting five and putting bogdan in the starting five bogdan is much stronger at a starting two in the terms of what he provides he's much better passer he's a much better defender he can start the game at a better pace then a buddy healed. That's what he's been doing in Atlanta now. And the buddy was coming off the bench and doing what he's doing right now. This isn't like rocket science. You've just replaced Ty- Tyrese with it, essentially. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. In this situation. And it worked. And it, it was such a bummer, obviously, for many reasons, not just sports, that the pandemic happened. But if we're being selfish as Kings fans, fuck, man. They were playing so well. And we were going to go to another game, I think, Matia. I was getting yeah. hyped. <laughs> Because I came halfway through that game. I never they got to do like the whole game. They were like top five. Yeah, they they'd closed it out like top five in the NBA for that second half record. They were they were rolling at the perfect time. And, and they had the Pelicans game at and home. That's such a king, like as King fans say, like 
of course it would happen when we're finally yeah. like doing a worldwide pandemic. Else, right? Of like, course. Something new. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So fucking Not so fast, guys. <laughs> yeah, of the world to come in and do that to us. Um couple more questions I want to get out of you, dude. Uh obviously the team's changed a little bit since your dad was there and you guys were in Sacramento. Um the last two draft picks, Tyrese Halliburton, who Jill just mentioned, and then Davion Mitchell. What are your thoughts on those guys? I love Tyrese. I think he's so good. <laughs> like, I I think he's got some. I might be just overly optimistic on the guy. I I, I love him. I think he's gonna be something fantastic in the next couple of years. Does um, he give you Christy vibes at all? A little bit, yeah, I guess a little bit. Uh, if we're gonna compare him to like specific like Kings people, I would say sure. Um, but like, I just like his end. Like, first of all, he's good. But second of all, he puts in so much energy. You can see it when he's on the court. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he's running all over the place. He's never like stagnant. He's always trying to do something, and that's what I love for the most part. You know, uh, you, you see some players kind of like run through the motions and are just kind of there. You know, whether he would like when he first started playing, he started playing in like those garbage time minutes. He would want to play in those minutes, and I really love that. Yeah. Um, and I like that. And so I also want to give a shout out to Rashawn Holmes because I yes. think he's also like that. Yep. And I think that's what they need. Uh, uh, that's what these teams like the Kings need, right? Small market teams, players that bring that to the uh, game. Because uh, other p- people are going to be able to feed off that and they're going to be able to like work on that emotion. You know I mean, just because you're not necessarily good enough uh, or uh, as good as the other team, doesn't mean you can't win, um, you know, of course. in the NBA, any given night, any team can win. It's how you play together. That's the uh, biggest factor in it. You know what I mean? Especially for these types of teams. And I think that type of energy uh, with Rashawn Holmes and uh, um, Halliburton, Halliburton uh, I think that's a good combo, you know? They play really well off of each other, which is not a surprise. Your and then man game. Yeah. to give a shout out, I mean, to your dad, Rashawn Holmes was arguably the best free agent signing and the most underrated that your dad made. And I remember when I got the update that they signed him, I was like, I was amped more amped than I was about the other people they had signed in that free agency window, which they were been, yeah. they'd been pretty active because he had also just destroyed the Kings. Every time he played the Kings with the Suns, who, who he was on previously, it was like he had like, like Mike Conley, he hated the Kings. For some reason, we didn't know why, like why he fucking balled out against us every time, but he did. So when they got him, very under the radar, awesome contract at the time. And then even now, his re-signing was ridiculously below value for Rashawn Holmes. That guy is yep. valuable. They continue to say he was the, the biggest signing for the Kings since your dad. <laughs> yeah, really? I haven't heard that. That's, that's true, yeah. though. I mean, you can make that argument uh, just because – especially because no one really Deadman was the guy that was supposed to obviously be his role. And then it very quickly kind of flipped on him. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Davion Mitchell. It was the other guy I wanted to hear what you had to say about. He's good. Uh, he's solid. I've got no complaints. Uh, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not as in on him for some reason. Or tell me why I couldn't tell you. It's just, I think it's just an eye test. I think, there's something about him. Uh, he doesn't seem. I, I could be 100 percent wrong here. I'm willing. I'm not right. willing to die on this hill at all. Uh, <laughs> I, like at all. I just, I just don't see like the smoothness compared to uh, Halliburton. Sure. You know, it, it seems like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing either. But it seems like he's trying. It, it seems like it's uh, it's harder for him to like do something. You know, what I mean, it seems like it takes more effort for him to score or dribble or something like that whereas for uh, Halbert it seems more effortless now I could be 100% wrong in a couple of years this might be (laughs) I'm gonna gonna clip this I'm gonna remember this yeah Yeah. he's a great defender though which probably a side thing like I said I've got no complaints I want to see him guard you dude good luck (laughs) yeah I will say you didn't see you missed last game and he had uh, 12 points, eight assists. It was by far his best game so far yeah. in yeah. playmaking wise. So, um, that might be something you know, that's something that hopefully we'll continue to see. To I'm, see grow. No, like I said, I've got, I don't know why I'm saying it. I've got no, Matia just said he hates hey. Davion Mitchell, guys. Everyone, I want you to hear feel, that. Feel how you feel. Feel how you feel. <laughs> I'm gonna write that as the caption for this. 
Matias Divac hates Davion. May Davion's like folklore right now, dude, in Sacramento. He's like Tyrese was last year. He's yeah. he's a god, and you don't you do not say nothing poor about Davion Mitchell. I don't know why I did that in a southern accent, but yeah. that was just how it came out. I don't go now say nothing bad about him. No, I have no idea why I did that, but he's well. He's, I mean, it's no different than what Kings fans were like on draft night, and then it. it I guess I'm just trying to like, say that I mean, we've been we've sounded yeah. moronic in the past. Is yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's fantastic? I want to be clear. He's fantastic. Yeah, I would pick Halberton over him. That was oh sure. Point. Oh yeah. Well, thankfully they didn't have to have that problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and the team needed toughness and defense. We when we were watching games last year, I think we talked about it quite a bit, Matia, about just no effort on the defensive end, um, which is what zero, zero which is what a Davion helps with, and a Doug Christie on the bench will help with, and a Mo Harkless. Uh, so currently, though, current state of the Kings, current roster as they are, who's your favorite Sacramento King player? Rashawn Holmes. Okay. I love him, dude. I can't, like, when he's on the court, I can't help but smile. Um, him or Fox? Because I think Fox is, he's got one, of the, he's got speed, which is one of those things that you just can't learn. It doesn't matter how much, like, you can right. get a little bit faster, not on that level. You know what I mean? Him, John Wall, uh, Westbrook, elite, that's like elite level. You're born with that or you don't have it. So, uh, I think he's scary as is. Uh, I think in a couple years more, when he really hones his skills, he's going to be unstoppable. Um, I think, you know, I mean, it's obvious, obvious that he is the corner piece to this team. Uh, yeah. You know, we need to play through him. Everything needs to start from Fox and then go from there. Least favorite player. Again, cuffs are off. You can say what you want. <sighs> <laughs> Least favorite Right, I mean, and it could be now or it could be previous too. Oh, like, yeah, that's fair. Previous. Yeah, it could be previous. like a Kings player that you just like, hated. Is there the... anyone that you were just like, damn, I hated that guy? Like, <laughs> I just really uh, did not like that. <laughs> Buddy Heald. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. He, he follows like... this podcast too. No, I'm kidding. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, it's the dribbling of the. It's what annoys me so much about him is how good he is in one aspect of the game and just chooses to ignore it. When you're so good at something and you're just not doing it and you want to do the things that you're not good at, that bothers me. Like, sure. so much. You're such Especially at really important times of a game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, shoot the ball. Stop dribbling. Stop doing sh- God, I just, I'm him but <laughs> that's i'm so glad you you held on to that for so long you're like i don't know what you're saying and I'll, I'll say yeah and i will say it's early and there haven't been as many of those knock on wood yeah so far this season which i think has helped that help be successful at least for the team all around and making some of those um some of those plays so you know, fingers crossed that. No, that we'll it can do this again <laughs> in like at the end of the season, and I'll give you an update. Of yes, okay. We'd love that. Easily overtake, you know, be yeah. like first if he just starts shooting the ball, and then you know. So okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I feel like that might have been actually kind of. Now I'm thinking about it. I can't think it kind of was obvious that you were gonna say Buddy Hill. So give me one more player just for shits and gigs. Did throw a previous throw a previous yeah no it doesn't need to be someone that's currently on the roster I'm just now I'm curious and I feel like younger it could be from last couple years (laughs) I mean I guess technically uh let me think uh because I mean I'll share mine if we're gonna do this if we're gonna let's go down let's let's die on this hill now I want to hear yours first I actually need a second thing I need to think about it now too. You know, and I'm I'm probably biased here, but they were all so nice to me as a kid. You know, like I was gonna say, was there anyone you were a kid and you were like, oh, I have it, I have mine. (laughs) Um, Willie Colley Stein can go just fuck off. Will, see, he was nice to me. He like did. I'm sure he was. So like he helped me out with the thing. So like I can't hate him. You're seven (laughs) one and you can't grab a rebound. What are you doing here? Yeah, as, as players go, it is. Yeah. Also, Dante Green, which is a throwback, just name came into my head. He always annoyed me too. Really? You remember, just because he he thought we're talking about He's players. He's still that very much like dust up with the community and stuff too, which cracks ah, me well, up. Well, now I feel now I feel bigger, <laughs> but um, yeah. I didn't I didn't know that, Jill. He always seemed like he tried to do too much, like Buddy Hield, and it was like, dude, you're just like this fun, athletic guy 
who's got good energy, just do that. But he was always trying to do like, do, like trying to shoot 20 times a game. It's like, okay. He's trying to win the league is what he was trying to do. That's fair. Do you I have one? Of, I can't think of the least favorite. All right. We're going to say Quincy Doobie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I'm going to run our test, but I'm scared of the guy. So like. Uh, meta, yeah. world, meta world peace. Meta actually. world, yeah, sorry. And you don't need to be scared of him because he all, he comes in peace. Yeah. Um, that though, okay. I get that too. I mean, you have so many more players you can choose from than I can, than I can really even think of. But also then, yeah, you make a good point. I didn't even think about, you know, you knew a lot of them. You, you got to meet them. So you don't yeah. want to talk shit about them, understandably. Well, and they were just all like, you know, growing up, it was, I saw them as like a basketball player second. It was like, you know, oh my sure. dad's friend or whatever. Uh, so like, and now growing up, it's weird for like people like, oh, I hate that player. I'm like, he's really cool. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like he's really like, yeah, you shit at basketball, but he's a really nice guy. Let's not, <laughs> yeah. like, I don't hate him. <laughs> it's, so it's hard for me to like, be like, I hate, you know, like any other player that I haven't met, I'll be like, I hate him because he sucks. It's hard for me for these guys to say. Of course. And all they're right, well- all good. You know, they're all some great players. Here's here's a better question. I think Jill will like this one too. Who who did you hate more as a head coach, George Carl or Dave Yeager? Um. So your dad, just for a recap, and everyone that's listening to this will know this, but your dad came in as George Carl was like in a weird lame duck situation, kind of full of himself because that's who George Carl is, and then transitioned from Carl to Yeager, and then that one soured, of course, at the end. So. I don't know in this one personally what you would say. Um, uh, <laughs> they, ooh, that one's tough because uh, I want to say hate them, you know. Because I probably, you know, I- oh, Wheeler's lost him. I'm gonna think that uh, his Wi-Fi died. That was in the middle of a sentence too. We just lost Mattia. You can't make that up. That's actually super funny. Um, I think George Carl gained access to his internet, Jill. What do you think? <laughs> he was about to say George Carl, and then somehow I, I think uh, his hotspot died on him, so he lost us. So I'm gonna I'm gonna send this back to this invite back to Matia real quick, Jill. If you want to take over for a second, your mic is muted. Oh, there he is. Oh, we're back. Hello. Hey, did you did did George Carl George Carl hack your wife? Yeah, I got. Sorry, my phone died. Hilarious, man. Yeah. So I'll probably say George Carl, and the reason why is because Dave Hager, he well, I think we won more with him, right? Yeah, yeah. So okay, that's simple. I mean, yeah, that's that was just so perfectly timed that you were like you turned your head you're like i think i'm gonna and then it just died and me and joe were like oh shit what happened uh are you good now did you just plug your phone in uh yeah i've got my phone it's charging right now i'm just using my phone now off of this no you're whatever works for you bro we don't want to lose you again though yeah um and i'm not even gonna edit that out because that was kind of a funny like perfectly (laughs) perfectly timed moment for your phone okay I could ask you a million questions. Jill, do you have any? I have one that I'm sitting on that was going to be my last question for Mattia. Did you have something you wanted to ask him? Yeah, no. I was actually more curious about um, what it's like having to, growing up, having like to travel as much as you did. How, um, you know, I know you got to go to so many cool different places, but like, what is it like being in that environment? You know, growing up, being around, you know, having a Hall of Fame dad, being around everything, um, but going to games, meeting people, just traveling. Was it was it tough, like, as a kid, trying to kind of um, navigate that? So, real quick, that's, like, my favorite. I've been asked a s- similar questions multiple times, but you questioned it the best by far. I <laughs> uh, started with, you've traveled a lot, because that, like, I never get that part. You know, people never ask me about, like, oh, you've traveled a lot, like, so I love that. Uh, but, <laughs> Good job, Jill. <laughs> no, t- yeah, seriously, I was like, oh, that was very cool. Um, <laughs> no, to answer your question, it, uh, it, yes, it was cool, but I didn't realize how cool it was until 
sure. you know, recently, I would say in the past like six years, seven years of my life. And I'm like 27 now because it was like, you know, just a job, you know, like I, I went to school and my parents, friends, like they're like, oh, my dad's a lawyer. I was like, well, that's awesome. Like my dad's a doctor. I'm like, that's the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> like they were like losing their shit over like my dad's job. I was like, he catches the ball, but he plays a game like your dad open some dude's chest and rip their heart like that's awesome like why are you right fascinated with that? i mean that but, sounds so barbaric uh, the traveling <laughs> no seriously I was I like, what, ripped what, his what, heart out what's your favorite place like that you've gotten to to travel to through everything based on that uh, since i know you love traveling you were saying so yeah uh i mean so it all really it all honestly depends um depends on like what you want so like, you know, sometimes if you want to feel like, you know, relaxing and stuff like that, then Greece is really cool. If you want to party, you go to Serbia. It's like, uh, you know, we're going you to want Serbia. Like great food, you go to France. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, things like that. But I think the coolest part I would say about growing up with uh, my dad being who he is, is uh, seeing the behind, you know, behind the doors of like all these athletes yeah. and their mentality and kind of how they go about things. Cause I think, and I fall victim to it too. Like I see LeBron James and I'm like, I hate that guy because da, 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 I don't know him at all. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, where, you know, where I was growing up and I hear people like, Oh, that guy sucks. He's, you know, a piece of shit. Da, 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 da. And like, I'm like, hold back. He's a really, really nice guy. Uh, you think <laughs> or do you know how much work reason, like, but... I've seen that guy put in? <laughs> exactly like they're like oh he did that because of that reason i'm like that's actually not true like he had this whole other reason you don't even know about it he doesn't want he doesn't want to talk about it it's not even worth it like you know what i mean like right uh it brings a whole human aspect to it i would guess um because i yeah. think with the, like celebrities and people and all that you we all forget uh that they're people you know what i mean so like you'll read on they like, are? you know oh this guy yeah exactly yeah <laughs> You'll be like, but you'll read like slander articles and all that. And you forget that they have families and all that and how that can affect them. Um, sure. You know, and they just made a stupid mistake that hundreds of thousands of people have done as well. They're just not famous enough to, uh, you know, to be plastered everywhere. On the flip side, though, I would also say you have a responsibility because you are being paid millions of dollars and all that. So, yes, um, you've had to bite your tongue. quite. I a can bit. argue both sides. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> I uh, I was telling Jill Mattia about how I came to know who you were, and we it was a different class than with Captain Bob. Um, it was like a theories class or something. It was bizarre, and it was in winters. Uh, uh, winters. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, in a windowless building, she was a baddie. A windowless building, like it was like a a prison. This this place, and it was the first day. And Winters, the professor's name, was taking role, and she reads your name. And I, I mean, she says her first and last name and I'm not even paying attention. And then I look up because she, there's like this long pause and I look up at her. She goes, wait a minute, are you Vlade's son? And immediately I was like, why would she do that? Like, I'm like, I don't care what he says. Like, why would you say that? And you're like, yeah. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry. And immediately like she, I think she noticed what she had done. She goes, I'm sorry. I don't know why I did that. And she's like, she's like she fangirled for like a, a half a second. And it's the first fucking day of class. And then after that, it was like, I felt bad for you as I went up myself and was like, is that true? You're Vlade's son? Like, nice to meet you. And I'm Sam. I think I tried to recruit you to join our fraternity, uh, which was yeah. stupid. Like, you were never obviously going to do that. We just really wanted you to play basketball. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's a great question that Jill asked that I, I'm thinking now, I don't think I ever asked you myself, my friend. And I'm sorry that I never asked you what it was <laughs> like for you. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, biting your tongue a lot is kind of how I figured there would be moments well, where you had to not like say anything. And I can imagine everyone like growing up like that. Everyone's always asking about your family, your dad, and not necessarily about yourself. You, right? yeah, like, right. No, so I mean, again, there's like I could like sit and cry, but and say like you know, because I've definitely had friends <laughs> or people that I thought were friends, you know, use me for sure. like tickets and all that. Like I had uh, when I was a kid in LA, I like had a birthday party, and like uh, I was like, oh, let's come over to my house. We'll go to a Laker game. We'll come back to my place and have a sleepover. They all came with like bags of stuff for players to sign. And I was like, what? Like, fuck you. Like, they didn't even give me a gift. You know, I was a kid. And I was upset. So, like, right. so, like, there's shit like that. But then there's like the flip side to it as well, where like I have all these doors open for me. 
because of it. You know what I mean? Like sometimes I, you know, can go to, uh, just, I mean, just the other day I went to like a dry cleaning place for my brother uh, and like the guy recognized my dad, like the last name and he gave me a discount. So like there's bonuses <laughs> up the wazoo. So I'm not gonna, you know, say, oh, this one shot sure. bullshit, it sucks while claiming the benefits of the other. It's you take the good right, with the bad or right. you don't take it at all. Yep. So good way of putting it. You know, when I was younger, I wouldn't take the good at all. I would say like, no, I want to pay the full price. Fuck you. Like, you know, I would just take the bad. But like now that I like, you can't not take the bad. The bad's going to come with it anyway. You might as well start taking the good. So. Wow. That got right, philosophical on us. <laughs> yeah. um, you did. So we went to uh, a game, like I had mentioned earlier, right before the pandemic. And it was the first time we had been friends for a little bit uh, and, and gotten to know each other through class. And I just for the record, so people don't think I'm a shitty friend. I never once thought to ask or even considered asking you for tickets or anything like that. We would just chop it up about the kinks. But the day you did text me and and you would, I say finally, like I'd been waiting on it. I hadn't, but it was like about goddamn time. At the, time. At, the, at the same time, I was like, all right, now, now we're friends. Okay. Uh, and you would text me like, I got extra tickets. Would you and Louie, my buddy of mine, want to come? And I remember Mattia looking at the message and I'm like, is this like a trick? Like, Obviously, I fucking want to go see courtside, like courtside tickets to the game or whatever. We had really great seats. But a, a part of me was like, I don't want him to think that that's why I'm his friend. You know, I remember this this inner like battle I had about like, do I take these tickets? Is this wrong of me? And of course I did in the end. And we had a great time. But I don't know why I just felt like mentioning that because you had mentioned these uh, petty friends of yours who just no, wanted this very- Kobe to sign their shit. <laughs> it's very easy to uh because like you know maybe not right away but very soon you you're gonna realize uh who's friends with you because of the benefits who's not right like you know i had some friends where i like they'll text me like so we're going to the game tonight i'm like no i'm taking these guys and they'll get upset even though yeah. i didn't invite them they just assume that they're going and then i'm like well so I mean, listen, f- first of all, fuck you, they're not your tickets uh, at all. Like, you know what I mean? So you have nothing to be upset about. And if you're going to act like that. Like, <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. That That's just, you know, so it shows. People always show their true colors in one way or another. You know what I mean? So, and yeah. you can see the way that they treat other people and all that. Like, so I wasn't wow, ever worried that? about you. Okay. Yeah. No, I appreciate it. That makes me feel very good. Um, listen, anyone that goes to me isn't a bad person. <laughs> Right, so. <laughs> please jill do you know what club to me is are you aware do i know i was aware of it probably like 15 years no i know i'm just making sure <laughs> yeah because oh, i mean God, it is yeah. a staple of it says staple of it's east sacramento like on the wall yeah it's a staple of sacramento baby like yeah it, i never even thought about it like that man anyone you know what to me you know them for real like that's that's, that's love <laughs> that's a friendship right there uh and my my friend louis as Mattia knows, he had he won an award. This is getting off track, but this is really funny, Jill. He won an award in our fraternity that they they made up this award for him. And the award, it was like literally like a certificate that said most likely to be at Toomey at 7 a.m., which is when they open. And he was given this award like a joke because he's always at Toomey. And we showed it to the bartender there, like just thinking he would think it was funny. And he took it and hung it up on the wall. And it's oh, still awesome. on the it's still on the wall to this day, hanging at Club Toomey if you want to go see. Louis Ewer's certificate of drunkenness because it, it exists. Uh, okay, I got two last <laughs> questions. Then we'll get to Jill's water cooler on this Friday show. Um, first question, Mattia. I, maybe you already answered it now that I think about it. Your favorite place to go in Sacramento? Oh, favorite place to go in Sacramento by far, easy, Roxy Deli. If you haven't been there, go there. Okay. But I didn't know about that. Best say, listen, I'm not even kidding. And I've been all over the world. Might be the best, wow! By far in the top five, but might be the best sandwich spot in the world. Barbecue I never went there. By far. Oh, so they listen. So Monday uh, through Friday, every day is a new type of meat, and they slow cook it the night before in a cooker out front. So it's fresh. It's you don't go there. Go to Roxy Deli. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. It's the best where's sandwich place in the world. Uh, like where's it off? It's on C Street. It's by. It's, okay. like, it's kind of by Sex Eight. It's by the. It's by the hospital on C oh, okay. Street by McKinley Park, I think. And oh, yeah. I would about. go there all the time in that area. Yeah. I yeah. didn't even yeah, know about it's, it. It goes small little deli. They had one downtown. They had a couple locations. I think this is the only one left, but like it, it's the original one. It's so good. It's the greatest thing of all time. Um, 
Wednesdays they have ribs, but you have to get there early because they sell out. It's the greatest thing in the world. He's a sponsor for this deli, it seems. Uh, yeah, no, I'm not Wednesdays. even a sponsor. That's the thing. <laughs> they do ribs sell on Wednesdays. Like that good. <laughs> That's pretty funny, man. You know their schedule. Uh, okay, and the last question, the one that I was sitting on, just because I feel like you'd have something to say about it and, and people would be entertained to hear it. Your un- uncut, unfiltered thoughts, Mattia, on Vivek Ranadive. Okay. He oh, everyone buckled up. Okay, you ready, first Jill? Foremost, first and foremost, he's a great guy. Uh, like he does, so, he does a lot of philanthropy. Uh, I think that a lot of people don't yeah. even know about. So, but just to start, I want to you know sugarcoat yeah, before you before you shit on him. You're gonna yeah. get that out of the way. Yeah. Uh, and he didn't know. And you know what? And also, he did right by my dad. Uh, the way everything uh, was handled, uh, you know, they talked. It wasn't like a split decision. So he did do that. He did do it right by my family. So, again, give him credit there. The biggest critique I have from him uh, is that I don't think he – and I think actually this is a lot of owners uh, fall uh, victim to it – is that they weren't athletes before – or not necessarily athletes, but didn't play the sport before or follow the sport before. Um, you know, maybe Mark Cuban's one of the, the exceptions to the rule because he or um, uh, Bus uh, for the Lakers. You know what I mean? Like they've been involved forever. I don't think he understands that it takes time to build a championship team, specifically a small market team like the Kings. You know what I mean? Uh, when you're the Lakers, you could be the worst team one year and then the championship team the next year, as we've clearly seen. Like, right before LeBron came, they were trash. LeBron came, they won a ring. Like, right. we're not that. We're never going to be that. It's not going to happen. With us, it's going to be patience. It's going to be building around the draft. It's going to be, you know, finding these hidden gems. And I don't think – I don't think – he or other owners fully grasp that. You know what I mean? I think they don't realize it takes time to build a quality team. Um, at the very least, yeah, you know, he might learn it down the line, might have already learned it. You Fingers know, we'll see at the end of the season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the season's going really well. I don't want to shit on anything. Like, we're doing so <laughs> well right now. So, like, keep up whatever the fuck you guys are doing. I'm stupid. You guys. <laughs> The right <laughs> just keep patience winning. i don't care about yeah yeah at but some patience, point you I'd hope say. they learn from history right <laughs> right yeah because it's not like you can see i mean you uh when i say patience you can see it throughout the like literally just look at the timeline throughout the kings we've had how many coaches and how many and i know that also my dad's you know fault to that he got rid of two you know but like even before that we went through how many how many players how many, like, just, we're impatient. We, you can't let, you can't expect to take a coach, especially a new coach like, um, well, I'm blanking on, like Walton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I was blanking on, uh, like you Walton. You hired him, and yeah. expect him to, like, be a winner. Exactly, you know what I mean? Like, you got to wait. You got to give him yeah. a couple of years. Let him figure out what he's got working with. Same with players. You can't just get them and put them in a new system, expect them to be the same type of thing. You know what I mean? Those are very far between. Well said, well said. And it's a trait about Vivek that I think most of us had picked up on by this point, that the dude's an impatient motherfucker, Um, like results right away. Uh, Firing um, Mike Malone uh, when they were having a really great start to that year. I think that was 2014. And then DeMarcus was sick. DeMarcus had like a stomach virus or something that kept him out. The team started to suck. He got impatient, like blamed it on Mike Malone, which of course it wasn't Mike Malone's fault. Uh, and RIP to Mike, obviously he's not dead, but like RIP in King's history to Mike Malone because God damn it, he was a good coach, is a good coach. And then you touched on the yeah. two coaches your your dad let go. At least those were good coaches. No one's ever going to deny George Carl's a Hall of Fame coach and Dave Yeager's a very, very smart dude. Like those aren't, you know, Eric Musselman's, uh, Paul, well, I don't want to say Paul Westfall because Paul Westfall, may he rest in peace. He just passed away. But like there had been some coaches in Sacramento during the 16 years that it's like, why Why did you? Keith Smart was like a likable person, but I don't think ever really should have been on the sideline. So yeah, long history of just turnover. Um, and your dad did his goddamn yeah. best to try and stop that. Yeah. And but that again, was- I don't want to point the finger at Vivek only, right? Because 
yes, he makes the ultimate decision, kind of, but he's also surrounded by people telling him, do this, do yeah. that, this is the best thing, no, this is the best thing, no, that's the best thing, this is the best thing. So he's getting a lot of input from a lot of different people. Uh, you know, uh, I just, I would just, my biggest critique would be the patient thing. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? You can't be a championship team, specifically a small market like the Kings, uh, overnight. Uh, not even going to happen in, in two years. It's going to take multiple years and, you know, multiple. Of like a patience. playoff foundation. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You can't, you, like, you can't just do it. You got to build through the draft. Multiple players, you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be slow. Okay, I lied. This is the last question. King's going to make the playoffs this year, Katia? <sighs> no, I don't. All right, we're done. You think they'll make the play? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, play in maybe. I think, listen, <laughs> I think we're going to be close because I don't know if you guys have noticed, you probably have, but with the rule change with the foul, like Trey Young and the Donch, they have not been scoring as many as they usually have. It, the games have not been as high scoring. And right. I think it's because of that. I think because Kings, and I might be a little bit biased, but I also think, you know, they get screwed on calls so many times. Yes. And taking this away from certain people, I think is going to be a great help to us. So there's a chance, you know, because we're a good team. We're a good team. We've just had shit luck. So you think Which, that foul rule actually levels it out for us? Interesting. I think it helps us a lot. I think it helps us a lot, a lot. Because we get, I mean, like, when you look at, in the past couple of years, like, when you look at our, like, losses and all that, we're right there for most of the game. We're we're losing yeah. these games barely, you know? And some games they'll say we lost by, like, 10, 15 points, but most of the game we were, like, within two-point reach. It's just a bad couple of runs. So I think, you know, once we lock down our shit, we're there. So All right. So you're optimistic, but, but also know. not. Yeah, that's weird. I'm I'm optimistic, but I know our history is what it is. Yeah. I want to I want to say yes, but I've been hurt before. Yeah. God damn it! So, the slogan for Kings fans. I want to say yes, there, but I've been hurt so yeah. many times. Is there a is there a I think we're gonna be like nine. That... <laughs> okay, that's a plan though. If you could pick a player, yeah. like, is there any kind of player that you would you would target, like? you know, or you would say recommend that the Kings target via trade and um, this year you think that could help oh. put them over? Hmm. That's good. I mean, not right? even to like put them so, in like a championship, but like just to get them to over get them to the playoffs. Playoff, you know. Huh? Yeah. Is there... I think I think it would it, I think it needs to be it needs to be like a superstar, right? I think we're one superstar shy away from that. Uh, I think we had it in DeMarcus Cousins and Rudy Gay for a bit, except they just couldn't mesh well. Uh, I think we potentially could have it in Fox and Heal if Heal gets a shit together and Fox starts playing consistently. But I think we're one superstar away from really pushing us over to that edge. But someone consistent, you know what I mean? Uh, I just don't know who. Uh, so not Ben Simmons or Ben Simmons? Sure. You know... <laughs> Ben Simmons can't shoot. Right? That's my biggest. I mean, that's I think everyone's biggest problem with him. If you can't shoot, right. as we all know, you're you're, you're useless essentially. Um, all right. You can't have no, a center fair. shooting better than your point guard. <laughs> yeah, Rashawn Holmes can shoot better and more confidently than a Ben Simmons. Yeah, but that's maybe Ben, like may, may, maybe you know what I mean? Because he is. I mean, he is insanely good. Um. But I, I like the I like the uh, trade rumor they were talking about summer. Kyle Kuzma for Buddy. I like that one. I wish that happened. Yeah, so do I we. think that made both teams better. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. And it would have given him Montrez off the bench, which would have been a huge Montrez yeah. and Rashawn together. Oh goodness, no yeah. one would want to play us. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for for answering those just array of questions I threw at you, dude. Uh, and I didn't even tell you what i was gonna ask I, I kept that to myself um so thank you for doing it i felt like none of them were too bad though uh nothing nothing i wouldn't ask you over a beer at to me now we're gonna right. end it with <laughs> it's like my standard <laughs> would i would i ask this somebody if we're at a bar um we're gonna end this with what's become our favorite segment here on our show matia it's like i said it's jill's water cooler this is jill's opportunity to just show us how much she knows 
how much better she is than me for sure. She's without question better than me. So Jill, just another, research. Uh, just, wow. More research than I do, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So go ahead, Jill, take us home with this, this Friday, Jill water cooler. Okay. Um, how much do you pay attention to previous like brawls in the NBA? Much? Anything? Matia like, or me? I, I think either. so. I, I, I would say, okay. yeah. Um, okay. If you thinking about it, like to me, I think most people would think the Indiana Pacers, like Malice at the thing, Palace. based on their brawl, that that kind of changed a lot of the on-court brawling rules. Um, would you think that, or would you go back to something else that another fight, if you can think one off the top of your head? Oh, man, you got really good questions. I like these. Uh, <laughs> Damn. I would say no, that one. That one's yeah. all right. Okay. That's the one where like fans got involved. And, and our test. Right. Involved hurt. Well, yeah. Okay. Like, and uh, O'Neal, right? And uh, Yes. Steven Jackson, Ben Wallace. Yeah. Yeah, that was that's yeah. the first one that comes to mind. Okay, well, yeah. the rules regarding players fighting actually changed in the 70s. I did not know that. So it was all about the Kermit Washington devastating punch. Okay, so it starts off with saying that, you know, current players like to think that they're really tough because they talk smack and kind of like shove each other. Well, back in the 70s, <laughs> These guys literally used to throw hands like regularly, like there were scuffles, benches, right, coming off. Um, and so what happened during a highly contested, it says December 9th, 1977, a regular season game against the Rockets and the Lakers. The event started to unfold at the beginning of the second half as Houston's uh, Kevin Cunnert and the... Um, and Washington were battling for a rebound following the Lakers guard, Norm Nixon, missing a shot. So Cunard eventually came down with the ball. He passed it out to John Lucas. He, uh, him and Kareem got tied up with one another. As a result, Kermit Washington stayed behind the action to make sure everything was kosher. So after two players disengaged, Washington grabbed Cunard's shorts as he was running up the floor. So Washington and Cunnert then began their scuffle. As the fight began to escalate, Rudy Tomjanovich ran off the bench to play peacemaker and to break up the fight. Well, Washington didn't know, Washington didn't know Tomjanovich's intention and seeing him out of the corner of the eye, he turned and cold cocked the 6'8 forward in the face. So it left Rudy unconscious on the ground and in a pool of blood. Oh my God. That's so, a punch. Tom Jonovich ended up with a fractured face. He'd missed the rest of the season. However, he did return the next and was named an all-star for the fifth and final time of his career. <laughs> In the meanwhile, Washington received a 60-day suspension which spanned uh, 26 games, a only a $10,000 fine, which I think Rashawn was just fined 15000 for throwing his headband into the That was the pretty... He threw it pretty mean. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. the 70s. He was, so he was fined $10,000. Uh, he then ended up playing four more seasons in the NBA. He even made an all star game for the first time in his career after this happened. Um, at that point, you have to think he's really lucky he wasn't banned from the NBA. Um, but the troubles didn't stop there. He actually ended up pleading guilty later too in his life of stealing a half a million dollars from his charity. So, Kermit oh, Washington has had some some troubles, but yeah. So it was actually nineteen. I think I was seventy seven. Um, was when the uh, the rules started changing regarding um, on court brawls. So I think the malice in the palace that just escalated because it went into the stands, but actual fighting on the court changed in the seventies. So they were actually able to hit <laughs> it was each a other. Different sport. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was that, like okay. legal. So well, this is also remember I told you a couple of weeks ago where they had like a UFC like fence around them yeah, and they used that to, one's like, crazy, Mattia. How basketball was in the beginning. Um, it was like a cage match. They literally <laughs> put like chicken wire around the court, and like there was no out of bounds. <laughs> yeah, so everyone played like I mean, in an octagon no. in some sense, yeah. and it was 
it was barbaric. And they only started doing that because when the ball went out, like it was the first person to grab the ball got to inbounds. For that was it. the original so rule. It wasn't like it, it didn't go off on you. So like you get the ball. It was no first person to go touch it. So they started having fights in the stands because the players were like scuffling, trying to get the ball. So you can see how it's evolved. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm for those old rules now. I kind of want to see LeBron James, you know, <laughs> get in there. Him and Kevin Durant go physicus yeah. for a ball. Like, that yeah. means... But you had, yeah, you had the, you had the punching and the bench brawls. It wasn't now it's right. If you come off the bench, you're getting suspended. Oh yeah. We're fine. So it's, yeah, yeah. no, he it was broke, like baseball where you could clear up. Yeah. Fracture broke his, face. his face. on one swing. Knocked him, knocked him unconscious in a just pool of his own blood on the court. Yeah. They, Holy and then, so they have a, a video impressive. of it and they said like literally everyone just stopped and was like, what do we like? What do we do? Yeah, what just <laughs> happened? Do you think he's yeah, the only well, player yeah. that like ended a game with like ten points, five assists, two rebounds, one knockout? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. I was just about to say that yeah. only NBA player to ever have a knockout under his belt. <laughs> yeah. That's a but, flex. I mean, they both ended up. Yeah, they both ended up making All Star games post post fight, and it made them better. Playing through, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. Holy! Uh, one last thing on this, Jill. Does it say so? The guy he punched was six eight. That's a, obviously a huge dude. Mm-hmm. How tall was? It doesn't Washington? say how big he was. Okay, I think he I'm was a big dude. At least based on the video, he was. Okay, he was that's tall. a bummer. I was hoping he was like five ten and just. Yeah, you know, I don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> jumped You'll and punched him in the him face. Up. Kermit Washington. So Kermit, have to look up his height. Yeah, that's the toughest Kermit that's ever existed. Wow. So, Mattia, there you go. That's a chill oh, water cooler. he was 6'8 as well. He was 6'8 as well. Okay. Okay. So it was level. Okay. It, it was fair. Eye eye. It was fair. Yeah. Was yeah. Fair. I'm not even mad anymore. Um, <laughs> sounds like the other dude's just a little bitch, if you ask me. Uh, hey, he cold cocked him. <laughs> hey, don't charge the guy. Don't charge the guy. Of course, the guy would say, too, after the fact that I was just trying to maintain peace. Like, obviously, he never got a chance to actually show what his intentions were. He was on the ground. <laughs> But, like, maybe he was full of crap and he was actually going in to swing himself. I don't know. I'm calling bullshit on, on all of us. You never know. Not on all of us. On him. On this guy that got his clock cleaned. All right. Well, as usual, Jill, fantastic round of applause. Uh, you did just teach Matias something there, which is uh She's all-knowing. She is all-knowing. This is true. <laughs> I say it in the beginning for that a reason. That was my goal. I was hoping that neither one of you had heard that before. So I, I haven't heard any of these ones yeah. that you've done in the past. Um, so that, yeah. All right. Well, Mattia, we are going to have to have you back, dude, if you're welcome, if you'd like to, uh, oh, at yeah. some point, uh, I hope you had fun with it. Like I said, you know, this is, we like to make it free flow, especially on Fridays, Fridays are days we bring guests on and we, we try and just make it whatever we want, you know, like whatever, whatever, however, wherever it goes, that's where it goes. And that's what I like about it. So thank you for taking us on a little trip there. Uh, Jill, bringing it home yes, with we appreciate that. Uh, a knockout blow in basketball and, uh, <laughs> Kings versus Hornets tonight. Second game of a four-game homestand. Uh, Jill's got tickets. Jill, did you give them out? I did. Oh, damn it. Okay. They weren't was, mine. They were – it was said – it was – I got a DM saying, hey, I have tickets. Do you want to offer them? Um, okay. Just knowing that. Well, congrats to I get, I get the response really fast. So, And yeah. it's really cool because one of them, it's his uh, dad taking his son to his first game. So um, they're like Aww. 123 row D. So he's getting great seats for his first game. Um, yeah. My first Kings so, game was, was 1,000% cool. nosebleeds at Arco. So that kid's got it good. Uh, that's going to do it for us here on this Friday edition of the Hoop Ball Sacramento Kings podcast. Matia Divots, thank you so much for joining us. Jill, thank you as always for being incomparable and all-knowing. You guys have a great weekend. We'll see you guys on Monday. Slater, dudes.